Praise God. Welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Uh, Brother Brandon here. And before we get into scripture, let's pray. Dear Lord God, we just praise your most magnificent name, Lord Jesus. And I want to thank you, Lord, for this opportunity for us to be able to gather together to partake of your word today, Lord. I pray, Lord God, that you would prepare the hearts and the minds and the spirits of every single listener, Lord, that the words that come forth would be sunken deep within their spirits, Lord, and that they would come bubbling up whenever they need them, Lord God. Take this message where you will for your glory, for your honor, and for your praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Well, praise God, and once again, welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. We are so delighted to have you here with us today. And uh, like I always say, if you don't have your Bible, why don't you go ahead and pause this message and go ahead, grab your Bible and something to write with, and maybe even a, a notepad if you want to take notes and, and a highlighter. If there's some things that you want to highlight uh, in Scripture today, as Holy Spirit places it on your heart. And then restart this message so that you can see for yourself uh, what we're covering in Scripture. Uh, it's always important to be able to back everything up with the Word of God. So having your Bibles with you during this message will help you see what we're actually talking about today. So getting into Scripture, we're going to go to Second uh, Peter. Uh, and we're going to go to chapter 3. And we're going to start in verse number 1. So that's 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 1. Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle in, uh, in both of which I stir up your, your pure minds by the way of reminder, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before the, by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lust. And saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in water, by which the world that, uh, that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, and as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to, the, uh, all should come to repentance. So today I want to talk on the subject of staying in the moment and what it means to stay in the moment. In order to stay in the moment, we must be spiritually aware of what is happening around us. We must recognize what is truly, truly, truly happening. So we need to learn to look beyond just what we see on the surface and to, to look deeper into, into what's potentially happening, looking at how things in the spirit realm uh, um, ha ha take place first before things in the physical realm. So everything that we see in the physical realm is a direct result of things that are happening in the spirit realm, in, uh, excuse me, in the spirit realm. And understand that what we see on the surface most likely is not what it actually is, that there are things deeper than that. We look around this country and we can see that there's policies that are formed at the highest levels of governments that promote alternate lifestyles and trying to force people into think that which is abnormal is actually normal to push their version of the truth. 
They don't even bother to look at scripture because uh, when they look at scripture and they see the, the actual truth uh, of what God says is to be truthful and how we're supposed to live our lives, they want to ignore that because they get offended by it. Because it means that they have to change something about themselves that they are not willing to change and they're not willing to give up certain things that God would require us to give up. But we see this happening at the highest levels of government. We see things that are happening that we would have never thought would have been what would have happened years ago. We see the, the legalizing of certain drugs because everyone is doing it already. That mentality that, well, so-and-so is already doing it and so many people already doing it, we might as well just legalize it, okay? But that's getting away from God's truth. Allowing criminals to walk free only to turn around and watch them same, commit the same crime again and again. Why? Because people want to blame the laws for an individual's behavior as opposed to looking at what the individual is doing. All sorts of laws get changed and written and say, you know, well, this person, because of their socioeconomic status, or because of their skin color, or because of this and because of that, we need to change the law because the laws are unfairly written to target that particular individual or to target certain groups. And so now we start to make laws that are more lax because we don't want to look at what the individual is doing, but instead we want to blame it on the actual law. We don't hold them accountable, but we say the law needs to actually change. These are things that are happening today and that have been happening for quite some time that if we were looking back years ago, we would have never, never, ever thought we would be in this place. God is patient, but his patience has limits. He wishes for everyone to come to him, but there will be a time when he stops waiting. We see in verse number nine, it says the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count as slackness, but is long suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So God wants us to, to find Jesus and wants us to accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. He wants to spend eternity with us, but he's not going to wait forever. His patience has limits. We can't be fooled into thinking that God's going to continue to just stand by and let this lawlessness uh, happen. Verse 8 shows us something extremely profound, and that is what God's timeline looks like. In verse 8, it says to the Lord, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. What this means for us is that we will never, never understand what timeline God is truly operating on. The only thing that we know is that he's operating off of his timeline according to his plan for his purposes. Something that we will never, never, ever, ever be able to comprehend. We won't know that if God said he's going to do something tomorrow, whether or not he means 24 hours from now, 36 hours from now, or a thousand years from now. We just don't know. And therefore, we must learn to stay in the moment to know what's going on. Continuing on here in Second Peter, verse number 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Now, understand something about thieves. Thieves will strike whenever they feel like they're going to be able to get away with it. They can strike during the daytime. They can strike in, 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 in the middle of crowds. And we see this. Another thing that we see happening in this country here, and depending on where in the, in the world you're listening to, I'm talking about here in the United States. One of the things we see is we see a lot of, uh, of thieves, thieves, excuse me, striking in broad daylight in, in amongst crowds where before they would wait for an opportune time where someone wasn't was by themselves. But they will strike whenever they think they're going to get away with it. And the constant lawlessness that is taking place is allowing these thieves to be bolder and bolder. Changing of the laws instead of holding people accountable is allowing them to be bolder and bolder and bolder because they know that they're going to get away with it. When a thief strikes at nighttime, it doesn't matter what you do, 
you will never ever be totally prepared for it. You will never be totally prepared for it, prepared for it. Because they're striking when your guard is completely down. You can be outside in public. You can be out in the daytime and you can be very uh, hyper vigilant around the thing uh, about what's going on around you. And you can almost be prepared, if you will, for every situation. But see, at nighttime, when you're asleep, it doesn't matter how prepared you are. When you are asleep, you're not going to hear and see everything that's going on. So what this is saying here is that when Jesus returns, it's going to be when our guards are down. It's going to happen when none of us are going to expect it to happen. That's how Jesus is going to return. So we need to make sure we need to make sure that we are ready. Verse number 11. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in, the, in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of, the, of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire and the elements will melt the fer- with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Notice there it says new earth and new heavens where righteousness dwells. Everyone that's continued to act ungodly will not be will not find a place in a new earth and a new heaven. Okay, everyone that continues to practice that ungodliness, there is no place. There's no place for them unless they repent and accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So, again, looking at some of the previous scriptures, we know that. God is patient. God is long suffering. But there's going to be a time when he's going to transform things and that patience is going to run out. And there's going to be no place left for those for for those that are ungodly. Uh, Let's continue on here in uh, verse number 14. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blemish. Underline all of verse 14. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. Okay, so we should be looking forward to God's return and consider that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. As also in his epistles, speaking in them of those of those things in which are some in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. Therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. So what does all of this have to do with staying in the moment? Well, we see that we need to make sure that we are focused on what God is doing right now so that we can be ready for his return. We must also be on the lookout for those who would try to tell us lies by twisting scripture to justify their wickedness. Diligence and patience is critical as we stay in the moment. There are people out there, saints of God, and you may have heard some of them. You may have come face to face with some of them that will take the word of God and they will twist it to mean something completely wicked to justify their wickedness, to justify their sins, to justify their behaviors, because they truly do not want to change what they're doing. They don't want to change their lifestyle to match something that's going to be acceptable to God. So they take scripture and they twist it. We, we as children of God, we know that when we first came to God, that when we accepted Jesus, we, we, we knew that it was like, okay, there were some things that we needed to change about our lives. 
But we also knew that as we continue to walk with God, that he reveals more and more and more and more truth. And the truth is, how does the old saying go? Uh, uh, The truth hurts, right? The truth does hurt. And so the word of God is not always something that feels good when people read it. So they twist it because they want it to feel good. They want it to be a feel good message instead of a hard spiritual truth that requires us to change. We need to stay in the moment so we can be ready for Jesus return and so that we can beware of the lies that people would try to tell us. Remember going back and we won't go into the scripture today, but back in the Garden of Eden there, when when, when Satan lied to Eve, he said he he, he packaged up uh, the lie in a such a subtle fashion that that he had Eve believing that they weren't going to die if they would eat, they would have eaten that truth. And he flat out told her a lie and said that you will not surely die, but you will be like God, knowing both truth and uh, knowing, knowing both good and evil. And she got wrapped up in that and then saw how good the fruit was. And we know what ended up happening there. All right. So we need to be able to stay in the moment so we can also be aware of the lies that people would try to tell us, just like we saw in these scriptures. We also want to stay in the moment. We're going to look at many reasons today for why we want to stay in the moment. And one of those is so we don't miss the blessings that God has in store for us. Turn to Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy 28, and we're going to start in verse number one. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, underline that, diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed you shall be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall you be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. So this is saying a lot of things. First and foremost, blessings in order for us to get blessings, we must be obedient to everything that God is saying to us. So we're staying in the moment that we're in, whatever that moment might be for us right now. Staying in that moment means that we also have to be obedient to what God has uh, is telling us to do while we are in that moment. That's how the blessings start to come. Now, if you don't have farm with animals and crops, then this means that your blessings will not your blessings will be on the job. Okay, not every one of us has has farmland or caring for animals or anything like that. But 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 if you're working in an office environment, that means you're going to be blessed on the job. You'll prosper whatever prosper in whatever your occupation is. And then the people that are on the job, people that you interact with will also be blessed based off of how you treat them. You see, we sometimes we think about work as just a place to go to to make some money so that we can buy and and purchase goods and, and services to to make it through this life. But we also have to remember that the workplace is a place for us to be sharing the good news, to be able to sharing uh, of who God is. Now, I'm not talking about proselytizing. All right. I'm not saying that you're going in the workplace and you're preaching to people over and over again and doing all those things. But what I am saying is that when you get in the workplace, you, you have to remember that you are an ambassador for Christ. Therefore, wherever you go, whatever situation you find yourself in, you need to represent yourself the way that Jesus would want you to represent yourself. So when you're in the workplace, how you talk to people, how you respond to bad news, how you respond to people coming against you, 
how you treat somebody that has wronged you. All of those things have an impact on whether or not somebody can become blessed. Because if they watch you and they see what you're doing, they're going to wonder, why is it that he's so calm under pressure? Why is he always talking so nice to people? Why does he treat everybody so nice? Why does he not seem to be getting bent out of shape? And it may lead to a conversation where that person asks you, how are you able to do all of this in the midst of all this turmoil? And then you look at them on a smile and say, well, how much time do you have? And then you can share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. Verse number five, blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall be you when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord, the Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee uh, and flee before you seven ways. Now, understand when you are staying in the moment, you will obtain victories right in front of your enemies. Those who are plotting your downfall or, or are hoping you will fail will watch you succeed and they will be completely baffled by it. They will be completely baffled by it. All right. You'll be in the midst of people that just don't want to see you do well at all. And they may be secretly behind the scenes plotting your downfall. But as you start to rise and rise and rise, it will completely throw them for a loop and they will be and as I say they will flee from you before before you seven ways. Psalm 23, five talks about preparing a place in the presence of my enemies. What this means is that when God sends you out, he's going to send you out. And there's going to be people around you that aren't for you and they aren't for you. They aren't for God and they're not with you and they're not with God. But he's going to prepare a place before before them right in their midst where you're going to sit down and you're going to be taken care of. You're going to have abundance in in, in, in everything that's coming your way. Everything is going to seem to go right. Everything you touch your hand to will prosper right in their midst. Your cup will continue to overflow. You will continue to get blessings on top of blessings right in front of them because you will be protected even though you're in their midst. Verse number eight, the Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all you which you set your hand and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is given. This means that your bank account will be blessed. You might be worried about how you're going to pay that bill. I mean, we got Christmas time coming around here, um, uh, right around the corner. Might as well just say that is tomorrow, praise God. And, and this is the time of the year where there's supposed to be so much joy around celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that people somehow get stressed out. They get stressed out thinking about decorating and buying gifts and how much they're going to spend and, and and how are they going to recoup that money and and and, and they get wrapped up in, in all of that that. They forget the true meaning for this season. And they forget that if we're staying in the moment, if we stay focused on God, your bank account is going to be just fine. This doesn't mean that you're going to have eight figures in your bank account, unless that's something that God wants you uh, wants you to have and chooses to bless you with. But it does mean that you will always have the financial means to pay for the things that you need to pay for. God knows what you need before you even ask him. He knows what you need before you, you even ask him. You may have $20 in your bank account right now. Focus on God and stay focused on him and watch as he blesses you. Watch as you will have the more money than what you need to be able to get the things that God wants you to have. You will have it. 
Verse number nine, the Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he sworn to you. If you keep his commandments, if you keep the commandments of the Lord, Lord, your God and walk in his ways, underline that walk in his ways. Then all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock and in the produce of your ground in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today and are careful to observe them. You shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day to the right or to the left to go after other gods to serve them. So we see there uh, in verse 12 that you will be blessed with so much that you will be able to you will not only be able to get the blessings, but you will be able to share those with others and never lacking anything, uh, uh, never lacking anything for yourself. You see, being blessed also means that you then bless others. And when you are truly looking to bless others, you are not worried about with what you're not worried about what you have. You're worried about how can you bless somebody else with what you have? As many times I've heard people say, oh, I would love to give X amount of dollars to this particular charity if I only had this amount in the bank account. Well, what are you doing with what you actually have? You don't have to have millions and millions of dollars. You don't have to give tens of thousands of dollars to 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 a charitable organization somewhere that that, that Holy Spirit may be putting on your heart to go give to. All you have to do is give. Let God handle everything else. It's not about how much you have when you're going to bless someone. It's about what you are going, what you are doing to bless someone with what you currently have. When you are giving from your heart, you're not worried about how much you have because you give simply because you want someone else to be blessed, not expecting anything in return. All right. And that's what this is saying here in, the, in these last few scriptures there. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow in verse in verse number 12, which means you'll be able to give to people that that don't have. You'll be able to give to them and you won't ever have to borrow to replace what you gave. But that's only if we are willing to stay in the moment and to walk in God's ways and to keep ourselves focused on him. Let's turn now to first Kings chapter 19. First Kings chapter 19, and we're going to verse, uh, go to verse number one. And Ahab told Jezebel all that uh, Elijah had done. Also how he executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let it be. So let the gods do to me and more so also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. OK, so here we see what happens when we don't stay in the moment. In this case here, Elijah didn't stay in the moment of the victory that he had in previous scriptures. So before this, Elijah killed 450 prophets that were following after Baal. And at one point, he actually uh, basically said to them, choose. Follow Baal or follow the one true God of Israel. 
And they set up these sacrifices and they put water on the sacrifices. And he said, whoever's God, whoever's God responds first and sends down fire to burn up the sacrifice, that is the one true God. And so the prophets of Baal, they were trying to do all of it. And, and, and obviously Baal never responded. And at one time, Elijah mocked him and said, perhaps he's actually sleeping. And, and then God prayed up to Elijah and immediately fire came down and it consumed the sacrifice. All right. And, and then he ended up killing them. So he, he just did that. But after his victory, when he heard about this threat, he left the moment. You see, we have to recognize also that part of staying in the moment, staying in that moment that we are in right now, means that we may have a victory, but understand that after God gives us that victory and after God gives us that blessing, like we, those blessings like we just saw uh, in the previous scriptures there, that the devil is going to come with an attack. He's going to come with the attack. So we have to be ready for that. All right. And in this case here, uh, um, Elijah forgot about his blessing and he fled. Verse four. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat underneath a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and say, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life for I am no better than my father's. Then he laid and slept under a broom tree. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. Let me pause there for a second in verse four when he's sitting there giving up and telling the Lord to take his life. That is just, I can't fathom that. Okay, I can't fathom how, uh, uh, and, and unfortunately there are saints of God that, saints of God that get themselves in these situations where they just say, Lord, this is too much, just take my life. All right, be careful about that. All right, that's a slap in God's face. Here he just blessed Elijah. Here he just came off of a major victory. And because things got too difficult, Elijah saying, Lord, just go ahead and take my life. But look there in verse, uh, verse five again. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said, said to him, arise and eat. Then he looked and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate. So, uh, so he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank, for he went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. So even though Elijah here is is given up, God still provided for him so that he can be strengthened for the days to come. No matter what the challenge might be that's in front of you, no matter what that moment that you are in, God will always provide what you need to make it through. We can't be so quick to give up just because the moment we are in becomes difficult. The angel came twice to Elijah and said the first time he said, arise and eat. And then there was food there. The second time he told him again, arise and eat. But then he gave him a warning that this journey is going to be too great for you. So in other words, the angel was telling him where you are getting ready to go. Elijah is going to be there's going to be a tough road ahead. But here you need to eat this food. This is the these are the this is the physical way that you're going to sustain your body for this journey to come. God always sends us on a journey, but he always, always provides for us to be strengthened in that journey. Verse nine. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. 
What's going on here now is Elijah's upset and he's angry with God because he's telling God, look, you know, I, I've, I've done what you called me to do. I, I, yeah, I've slain these, these prophets of Baal and, and yet and still I haven't done anything like the Israelites have done. I haven't done what, what, what they've done in verse 10 there. I haven't forsaken your covenant. I haven't torn down your altars. I haven't killed any of your prophets, but yet and still here I am by myself and i've got all these people here that are after after my life they want to they want to take my life see many times we think that just because we're faced with the difficulty that we're alone and that we're by ourselves and, and that we, we we look at things that are happening and, and it's like well 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 god look i'm 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 trying to do what you're telling me to do here and, and i'm being obedient to you but the reality of it is, is I'm, I'm here by myself, okay? And we're going to see how this plays out. I, I'm here by myself, but we're not here by ourselves. And we're going to see what the scripture says here. Verse 11, then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks into pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. You see, there are times that God will shake the world around us to try to open our eyes, to try to get uh, our attention. But in the midst of the shaking is his voice. But we can only hear it if we actually are tuning into his frequency. If we're actually listening with our spiritual ears, if we if we don't look at things that are happening around us, basically um, just based off of what we see on the surface, but understanding that there's a deeper spiritual uh, battle that's taking place. And that spiritual battle is what's uh, allowing the things that are happening in the physical to actually happen, to know that when I was talking earlier about these laws that are that are still get passed and, and that people still support that on the surface. It may look like, oh, well, they're just writing a law, but underneath that, there's something happening in the spiritual world that is allowing this behavior to happen. That's encouraging this behavior to happen. When criminals are being let loose after they've committed a crime and they've got a rap sheet that's 30 pages long, that that is not the result of just something on the surface of a criminal being released. But there's something in the spiritual realm that's taking place. But we can only hear God's voice if we're willing to tune into his frequency, if we're listening with our spiritual ears. So even amongst all of this shaking there in verse number 12, if you don't have this underline, underline that where it says a still small voice. So Elijah really had to look past the wind and the earthquake and the fire to be able to hear God's small, still voice. Verse 13. So it was when Elijah heard it. That he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now, God knows exactly why Elijah's there. But see, God sometimes will ask us the questions so that we voice what we're actually feeling. You see, many times we don't we're not honest with God because we're ashamed to go to him about the thing that's bothering us. We might be ashamed to go to God and say, Lord, I'm actually afraid. 
I, I'm actually afraid. Even though the word of God says that I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind, we are afraid to go to God and just say to God, God, I'm afraid of this situation. I'm afraid that I'm going to get evicted out of my apartment because I don't have the money to pay for the rent next month. God, I'm afraid that I'm going to fail at this at work because I've been given a project that I've never had to work on before. God, I'm afraid that I'm going to fail in this promotion because I'm going into a completely different organization that I've never been in before to work with people that I don't know anything about. God, I'm scared and I don't know what to do. You see, we are ashamed to go to God because with that because we think that, well, since I'm a child of God, nothing should ever shake me. I should be able to stand firm like the word of God says and, and, and not be afraid. So therefore, I'm not going to go to God and share that with him because I, I, I can't do that because I'm a child of God. But see, God will ask us those questions because he wants us to go to him. Whatever it is that you're feeling, God wants you to share that with him. He wants you to tell him that. And that's exactly what's happening here when God asked this with Elijah. Now, look at, look at Elijah's response. Verse 14. And he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because you have because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left. They seek to take my life. Now, this is what he told. Um, this is what he told God there in verse number 10. So he's repeating what he told. He's repeating what he said in verse number 10 here. Now, look at God's response in verse 15. Then the Lord said to him, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Haziel as king over Syria. Also, you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nishmi excuse me, Nimshi, as king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of, uh, of Shaphat, and of, uh, of Abel Mahola, excuse me, and you shall, anoint as, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Haziel, Jehu will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. Okay. So God gave Elijah the response. Now, again, in verse 14, God, Elijah is telling God, like, you know, again, I've been obedient to you and, and, and I've been following after you. And I haven't done these things that these other people that are so-called your that, that are supposedly your people are, are, are doing. But yet and still my life is in jeopardy and I'm by myself. Well, we cannot forget that following God does not come without his challenges. Okay. The moment that God places us in is going to be a challenge. At first, it may start off like, oh, hey, this is great. No, nothing bad is happening. And then the devil will bombard us with attack after attack. But following God will have his challenges. But if the spirit of God is within us and God has overcome the world, then we will also overcome the world because the spirit of God that is in us is greater than any force of darkness that's out there. So it does have his challenges. People who are doing all sorts of evil may seem to prosper while we are fighting or while it seems like we are struggling. But we don't need to worry about how the evil do us, do us prosper. And you can see that in Psalm 37. It talks about not to be envious of how the evildoer is prospering in their ways. God will handle them on his timeline. Okay, and we know God's timeline. One thousand years is as one day and one day is a thousand years, which means he will operate according to his will. He will execute his plan according to his timeline, not ours. God showed Elijah here that he had a plan for Elijah and that Elijah was not alone. Elijah had helped to continue the mission God sent them on. 
Staying in the moment allows God to reveal his plans for us. It also allows us to see that there may be help from people that we don't even know are even out there. See, God works through people. He works through people all the time. Look back over your life and see some of the challenges that you were in and try to find a spot when no one was there to actually help you. You may not know it in the moment that somebody was placed there for a reason to help sustain you, to bring you forward. You may not see that in a moment, but if you're looking back and you're, you're, you're asking God to review to you what it is that he wanted you to learn in that moment, you'll see exactly the role that that person or those people had to play in your life. The role that God wanted them to play to help you be successful, to get you to where you are right now. And also to let you know that There's nothing in this life that we have going on that somebody, that another believer has not been through. See, that's a lie the devil will tell you is that, yeah, no one else is going through this. You're a child of God doing all the right things. But look at these other so-called children of God. Look what they're doing. Look at the lawlessness that they're engaging in. Look at the sin that they're engaging in. Look at how they twist the, the scriptures, but they're prospering. And look at you. You're doing everything right. You're following the word of God to a T. And, and this is the, re, the, the, the payment that you get. This is your reward to deal with this, to have all of these, the, these challenges. Why do you follow that God? Why do you follow that God that has you in a place where you're fighting? Where it looks like you're struggling. I thought he loved you. I thought you loved him. See, we can't fall for that lie. That we can't fall for that lie. That's the same tactic that the enemy has been using for years. He, he, what, did, what, what did the devil say to, to, to God in Job? He told him that Job only follows you because you look out for him. And what did God say to him? He said, fine. In essence, he said, have at it. Attack him in any way that you see fit, except you can't touch his life. And what did the devil do? He attacked him in Job. Still, Job has some struggles there. All right. Job definitely has some struggles there, but he didn't forsake God. But see, that's the lie the devil will tell you, that you're alone, that other other Christians are not going through what you're going through, that other so-called Christians that are that, 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 that are living evil and committing all sorts of sin, that they're prospering and you should be like them because uh, they have what you want. Not recognizing that you might want what they have, but you have what you need and you have what God wants you to have. And that enough should be that that right there should be enough to continue to follow God. We can also see through these scriptures that God will teach us lessons when we actually stay in the moment. God taught Elijah that there's no need to worry about threats that come from those that will practice evil. God also taught Elijah that he will be strengthened for his journey by sending the food that he reserved 7000 people. That he's not the only one, he's not the only one that has committed his life to following what God wants him to do. But that there are others that have resisted Baal. It says right there in verse um, verse 18, yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed them. Meaning that they may not be around you right now, but when you take this journey and you go to where I'm telling you to go, those 7,000 people you'll see, they exist. So saints of God, understand something. Whatever moment you might be in, don't be in such a rush to get out of that. It might be difficult. It might be challenging. It might be tough. 
It may not be going away though the way you planned it, but you're not alone. God is there with you to strengthen you. God has other people that are also in a similar moment going through a similar thing. And when the time is right, he'll let you know who those people are that are going to be around you that are going to help you. We must learn that staying in the current moment is beneficial for us. It allows us to grow spiritually. It creates a deeper relationship with God. It reveals various aspects of God's plan for our lives. So when you find yourself rushing to get out of the moment, take a, take a second and ask God for the patience and the strength to persevere. And he will provide it for you. Every single time, he will provide it for you. Well, praise God. I hope this message was a blessing to you. And before we close, let's end in prayer. Lord God, Jehovah, most awesome and wonderful Lord God, I just want to thank you as always for the words that came forward today, Lord. And I pray again that these words stay deep within our spirits and that they will come bubbling up whenever, whenever it is that we might need them. I pray, Lord God, for every single listener, Lord, that whatever moment that they are finding themselves in, whatever challenge it is that they're in, that they are trying to, to hurry up and get out of, Lord God, that you would help them to be patient, Lord God, that you would provide them with the strength to stay in the moment according to your time frame, Lord God, that you would reveal the signs and wonders and aspects of your plans that will show them that you are there with them and that you will never, never leave them nor forsake them, Lord God. I also pray, Lord God, that you would put us in an opportunity, in an opportune place to be able to bless those that are around us, Lord God, to share your words with others, Lord, because we know that is not your will to perish. We praise you, we love you, Lord God, and we thank you for all your wonderful blessings, both great and small, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Well, praise God. Uh, once again, I hope this message was a blessing to you, and if it was, Think about passing this on to friends, family, and loved ones, and even those that might be giving you a hard time because uh, as we see you know, in Scripture that God is long-suffering and it's His will and His desire, uh, I should say, for everyone to come to repentance. We can be found at genesis1.sermon.net, and if you click on the subscribe button, you'll receive notifications anytime new content is posted. We also have a YouTube channel at Genesis. Uh, you can find us, search for Genesis One Christian Ministries. And then we have an app on the Google Play Store and the Apple App Store. Everything is available for free because we just want to spread the word of God and make it easily available uh, to everyone that's desiring, uh, desiring to hear the truth. And if you're in the Salem, Oregon area, come on by 2651 Commercial Street Southeast over at Candelaria Terrace and come by for one of our live worship services. Uh, services are Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. And we would love to have you there and, and love to chat with you and, and um, love to, 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 uh, to fellowship uh, with other believers that, that are out there. So again, that's 2651 Commercial Street Southeast in Salem, Oregon. We'd love to have you stop by our ministry. Well, I pray again that this message was a blessing to you. I pray that you go in his perfect peace and that you remember you can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. Be blessed.